Welcome to Zurich Canada's Perspectives Podcast, where we stay connected with our broker partners through conversations with guests who are experts in their fields. We try to probe, we try to tease, and we try to challenge our guests to bring you insightful information that's relevant to what our listeners are faced with. My name is David Tran. I am the Regional Manager of Ontario, and I will be exploring some varying subjects with Alban Laloum to get his perspective on what we can expect in the Canadian insurance market in the new year. Today, we're taking a bit of a different approach with this podcast series, as this will be our last episode of the year. So our usual host, Alban Laloum, will not be hosting this segment. Instead, he will be our guest. Alban is the head of Zurich Canada's customer distribution, marketing, and regional management team. Here's my conversation with Alban. So, Alban, welcome to the podcast in uh, in a different chair. How are you today? Good. Thank you, David. It's great to be a guest today, yes, but thank you. No, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to, uh, uh, to, to, to cover a varying number of topics for us. Um, I, I think what we wanted to do today is, is get, your, get your take on a few kind of broader topics, um, particularly looking into the next year being 2022, uh, uh, what the key industry uh, looks like uh, from an insurance perspective. Um, I think we can all agree that 2020 was a tough year for many insurers uh, when the pandemic first hit and uncertainty was, was abound. Um, 2021 looks to be one where the economic outlook and the insurance industry outlook seems to be moving positively. Um, so I, I wanted to get your thoughts, your general thoughts on, on how 2022 will look for, for the Canadian insurance industry, or maybe even give your take on how it's, um, it's shaping up for, for Zurich as well. Okay, so this is a pretty broad topic here, David, but um, I'll, I'll do my best. So I think you're correct. The um, 2020 and 2021 are two different years, right? 2020, everybody was caught totally by surprise by this pandemic. Uh, we were in lockdown for most of 2020 and also for the first half of 2021. What I'm, my first takeaway, and I've been in this business a long time, and I think the last 24 months have shown this, is that insurance is a formidable, resilient industry. Good times and bad times, our customers need insurance. In the insurance industry, and by that I mean intermediaries, brokers, agents, insurance companies, have the ability to, to step up their game when the going gets tough and be there for the customers and the brokers. And that's when we have near catastrophes or very severe adverse events that insurance companies can, can rise to, to the challenge and show what they're made of. And companies insured that go through tough times actually, by and large, need insurance more so than on, in good times, right? It's when you're not sure about your future that you need more insurance. If you have perfect visibility and line of sight about what's going to happen in the next 12 months, 24 months, then maybe you don't need as much insurance, right? So the variability, the volatility, the unexpected future is where insurance, industry, insurance companies can really strive, right? And to me, that's what, that's what the industry has done in the last 18 months. 
So that's that's a positive. Um, and as far as I know, but obviously I, I don't know this for to be a, a 100% uh, true fact, I'm not aware that a lot of insurance companies have gone out of business in the last 18 months or 24 months, right? So, so insurance companies are able to pay claims. They're able to, to service their customers, uh, to be there for their partners, brokers, and continue being in the business. So that's kind of the last 18 months, 24 months. As to what's going to happen in 2022, obviously, it's very hard to say. The last several weeks and months show a strong economic rebound uh, in Canada, but, but across the world. That is also good for the insurance industry, right? That means that customers are going to grow again their top line. They're going to go and acquire more customers. There's going to be merger acquisitions. They're going out and exporting. They're expanding their footprints. So all of this is very good also for the insurance industry. Um, as we all know, the the we've been in a hard market, as we call it in the business, um, in a hard market where rates have have seen quite a bit of increase. And that actually predates the pandemic. And the pandemic, if anything, has probably made matters a little worse. Um, adding again to the um, difficulty to predict what the future is going to be. Right. So um, I believe that insurance companies, and when you look at the results that have been released by insurance companies in, in the third quarter of this year, in the first six months of the year, first nine months of this year in 2021, the, the results are pretty good, right? Amongst our peers, amongst uh, Canadian domestic companies, but also global insurance companies and even reinsurers for that matter. So I expect that, and this is a personal point of view, I expect that we're going to see some pockets of softness, softness in some areas of the business. Some other lines of business or sublines of business or products, as we call them, are probably are going to stay a little firm or get firmer. And I'm thinking about cyber, for instance. We, this is one of my favorite topics in cyber. But, but the more um, mundane, and by that I mean where there's plenty of capacity, general property, for instance, if you're a good risk and you've had a clean loss record in the last three, four years, and you've been hit with rate increases in the last three years, I expect that there's going to be pushback from brokers and customers and as well, there should be pushback, right? So I think insurance companies are going to have to differentiate between between industries, between customers that, that have good loss records, others not so much. And we're going to be uh, walking away from this environment where there was a lot of rate increases, broadly speaking, and across all segments, all lines of business. So, Ben, just just a, a bit of a follow-up question on some of your prior comments. Um, I think generally speaking, and, and, and depending on how the rest of the year looks for, for, for 2020, um, insurer profitability should be maintained for the rest of the year, as as as, as we see it right now, yeah. uh, and I think that when we look at um, the first half 2020 combined ratios for some of the largest commercial insurers uh, uh, in North America, um, the combined ratios were north of 100. Now we're seeing predominantly combined ratios under 100, and I'm asking this question on behalf of a lot of our broker partners out there that 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 are listening about. Uh, insurer profitability. They see insurers being profitable, mm-hmm. and 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 the the natural question 
goes into how coverages will change as a result and how rates for the Canadian insurance industry uh, in general will, will translate to the, the, the customer and, and, and the broker at, at, at renewal time. Uh, obviously, when you see insurance companies who are profitable, the natural instinct is to ask, why are they profitable? So I, I just want to get your take on, on, on yeah, the response yeah. and, mm-hmm. and the general kind of commentary around uh, insurers being being profitable. Yeah. So insurance insurers being profitable is a good thing, right? You want to have insurers that are profitable rather than insurers that are not profitable, because if they're not, and especially if they are not profitable for an extended period of time, it's going to be very difficult for anybody to stay in business, right? And at that point, you got to ask yourself, why am I placing business with an insurance company, which future may be uncertain because you can't make money, right? And, and as we've all seen in a very prolonged environment of very low interest rate, the only way insurance companies can make money now, or one of the only ways, and, and by that I mean, you know, investment income has basically disappeared or almost disappeared, not quite, but is by having an underwriting profit, right? And, and if you can't make money at underwriting, which is the core business of what insurance companies should be doing, then you can be out of business. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a cliche, but it's sort of back to basics. You got to be able to make a profit at underwriting your risk, not counting on your investment income because, because you're earning 1% on your, on, your, um, on your money at the bank. So that's number one. So insur- profitability is a good thing, but profits attract competition, right? And, and we saw this in the last three, four years where there was a pull out of some um, market participants in Canada in particular, and by that I mean London, right, that wasn't making so much money in Canada um, in years prior, and basically there was capacity that just disappeared, right, because because underwriters in London were not making any money being in Canada, so they just, not all of them, but some of them basically pulled out in a big way. Now, what we're seeing, and we're hearing this from our brokers, is that London capacity is beginning to come back in the Kenyan market. Everybody knows that Lloyds of London is the largest commercial insurance market in Canada, right? Which makes, I think, Canada fairly unique in the world in terms of its proximity, uh, well, not geographic, um, but its proximity to the London market, right? That's certainly not the case in the US and that's not the case, as far as I know, on the continent in Europe as well. So, So London is coming back New, not new capacity, but capacity is coming back. There's a bit of new capacity, but it's basically all capacity coming back because there's a profit. So there's money to be made. And just like, you know, this basic law of economics, um, that's probably going to put pressure on rates, right? Because there's going to be more capacity and there's, there's a finite number of, of, of customers. So I don't know how that's going to materialize itself in 2022, but like I was saying a couple of minutes ago, I expect that there's going to be pockets of softness that that uh, we're experiencing in 2022. And to be quite candid, we're already seeing some of that happening on the back end of 2021. So this is cyclicality of our business. What I believe, and again, this is a personal opinion, might be changing in the future is 
And I don't know off the top of my head, but I think that the natural catastrophes in 2021 are going to be in the tens and tens of billions of dollars. And I've read articles, uh, reinsurers, where it could be as, as high as $100 billion of natural catastrophes in 2021. And the year is not over yet. Now, there's enough capacity amongst reinsurance companies and insurance companies to absorb $100 billion in natural catastrophes. But you know, we don't think twice about it now, but 20 years ago, $100 billion of natural catastrophes would have been enough to turn the market upside down, right? So nobody is talking about really turning the market upside down that I know of, right? But as much as there was a very prolonged, soft market between, and call it 2004, 2005 to 2017, 18, I'm wondering and if... $100 billion of natural catastrophes is going to put a floor, maybe, maybe put a floor in the next market cycle, right? Insurance companies and big reinsurers are not going to want to pay $50, $60 billion of natural catastrophe year in and year out. That's, that's going to put a floor, and I'm talking here mostly in property, I guess, in the market, right? Because, and this is what Zurich has been saying, amongst other large insurance companies, that Whatever you think of climate change and the impact of climate change, there's a change in the weather patterns, right? There's something happening here with our planet. And, and insurance companies, Zurich and others, uh, are pretty well positioned to understand the, the consequences of, of this change in, in climate, because we pay, right? Because we pay. So again, I'm not sure what's going to happen in 2022, but, but I think that to expect that the market is going to behave in 2022 the same that it did in 2015 and 14 when we were in the soft market, I think it's probably a little bit premature, right? And maybe a little bit naive. I expect that it'll be interesting to see what happens to the large treaty renewals 1-1 and, you know, how Zurich and AIG and all these other guys are, are able to renew their big treaty, the big cat treaties, um, Munich and Swiss Re, what they're saying. And I think that'll inform what we, you know, we'll, we'll be in a better position to have an opinion in January and February. Um, okay. No, and, and, I, and I completely agree with you. I think that there's a lot of um, macro events right now that, yeah. that's affecting yeah. the broader insurance industry. Um, and, and, and I think that speaking of, 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 of macro um, economic measures and whatnot, uh, there's, yeah. there's been a recent... I guess uptick in conversation because I mean in Canada in particular we just saw an an, an 18 year high uh, in terms of inflation for the country. Um, yeah. The latest reports is 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 uh, stating a 4.7 percent uh, inflation rate. I mean, and, and of course we I think that we 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 understand generally speaking that uh, with inflation rate there there's a lot of there's a multitude of factors that that's been contributing to this. Obviously, some of the economic stimulus that's provided by um, by, by by the Canadian government and even the U.S. government to, to a certain extent, right, has has contributed to a inflation rate that's higher than usual. Um, I think that with record low interest rates, that's also contributed to the inflation rate going up. Um, and of course, I know that as an insurance company, we've we've been having to con uh, contest with the fact that in uh, interest rates has been very low. But we've never seen inflation rates being this high. So now I think the, the conversation is starting to shift where the economy seems to be doing better. The economy seems to be recovering. Uh, and, and, and if things play out the way that we see them playing out, 
um, we see that the economy will, for the most part, start recovering in, in, in the latter part of 2022. So I wanted to ask you about this, these, these, this macro topic about interest rates and inflation rates, the anticipation of which is interest rates going up. What, what, what are the impacts to insurance companies uh, if and when this does happen? And how does that translate to uh, some of these 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 results uh, on a macro level that we've seen from insurance companies. All right. So let me start by talking about the claims, the impact that it might have on claims. Right. So let's let's be granular here before we talk about interest rates. So uh, inflation means cost of things, including labor, cost of goods, and labor increase. So for instance, we insure through auto fleet a lot of cars. Right. Those cars sometimes get into an accident. They need to be repaired. The cost of repair for a car is likely to go up. It probably has gone up already uh, for some amount in the last several weeks. And from what we can see now, and things may change because there's this whole sort of discussion about whether inflation is transitory or is, is here to stay. I mean, I don't know. But even if it's transitory, we're seeing already a bit of an impact on, on, on claims right? Whether it's through automobile, whether it's through, uh, through the values that, ins- that, that our customers declare, right? And so the value of the building, the value of repair, the value, you know, your business interruption numbers, right? So your fixed costs, your fixed costs are probably going to go up because your labor isn't there, your cost of maintaining, you know, your, your, your plant up and running, all of that is through inflation is going to increase, Therefore, when there's an event of claims, we're going to pay more. Now, if you're an insurance company, you're going to want to protect yourself a little bit about, you know, against this increase in, in cost. So that might be another reason why there might be a, another floor or a floor to, to the softness in the market, right? I mean, if, insur- if, if inflation goes up 4 or 5% every month, and therefore, the cost of claims increases for insurance companies. Insurance companies are going to want to recover some of that, right? Which seems reasonable, right? So that's to me, that's the that's from a customer standpoint, that's the that's the impact of inflation, right? We have inflation, the cost of claims, whatever the claims is, and then you overlay social inflation, US litigation, all of that just compounds the likelihood or the possibility of claims just be getting bigger and bigger, right? So insurance companies are gonna to wanna to have some protection against this and, and increasing rates or maintaining rates at a certain level may be a way to fight against cost of claims. Now, as an insurance company, we hold bonds and as uh, interest rates go up, the value of these bonds go down, right? Um, but you know, insurance companies, by and large, tend to, when they buy bonds, they then tend to hold these bonds until maturity, right? So if you bought a bond at a 1%, you're going to keep getting a 1% for the next two years, three years, or five years. And then when you go out and buy new bonds, then, you know, this is going to be at 3%. So depending on how companies, insurance companies manage their asset and liability, it's going to have a different impact on, on, on how you, where and how you invest your money, right? But interest rates go up, the value of your fixed income portfolio goes down, right? 
And then if an insurance company is leveraged, i.e. if it's in the dead market and you need to raise money to operate, to maintain your operation, as interest rates go up, the cost of debt is going to go up, right? But if you're not in that position, i.e. you don't have a lot of debt and you rely largely on your equity, then you're going to have less impact to your cost of doing business as an insurance company than if you're highly leveraged and you got to refinance. And as you refinance, interest rates go up, then the cost of that refinancing gets higher and higher, right? Um, so there's multiple facets to the impact of interest rates and inflation on the balance sheet of an insurance company. Okay. No, that's, that's, that's helpful. And you know what, I, I, I can spend all day talking about numbers, but I'm cognizant of, of, of maybe some of our listeners not, uh, not, not wanting to talk numbers all day. So I'm going to change gears a little bit. (laughs) So I'm going to change gears a little bit. And I want to talk a little bit about, um, uh, about, about talent, right? Really how to attract, how to retain talent, uh, particularly in an involving, uh, uh, or evolving hybrid work environment that's, uh, that, that we're going to find ourselves in, in, in pretty quickly. Um, I, I know that I've seen uh, some of the financial institutions in, in, in Canada come out and announce uh, their back-to-work plan. I've seen some of the, 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 the large insurance company, particularly on the life side, talking about going back to the, uh, going back to the office. Um, now, I wanted to uh, 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 maybe ask specifically about Zurich's plan on returning to the office. And maybe get also your opinion on, on, on how you see our offices looking and, and, and how our interactions with our brokers and customers are going to look like in, in 2022. Mm-hmm. So as you know, we, in, in I think it's just North America, but Christoph Tarrant, our original CEO, uh, wrote an email to all, I think it's 10,000 plus Zurich North America employees, letting them know, letting us know that I think it's effective January 10th, uh, 2022, our offices in North America would be open without restrictions or limitations to um, how many people can go back into the office, right? So we're, what are we, 40 days away from, um, a little bit more, 40, 50 days away from January 10th everything else being equal. And hopefully we can stay in the same sort of environment that we're in right now, which is, you know, we have this pandemic relatively in control. Most overwhelming, a very, I'm not going to give any numbers here, but as you know, a very large number of our employees are vaccinated, uh, which is great, more than the, uh, the national average in Canada, which is pretty high to begin with. So, so we've signaled to our employees that, listen, the offices will be open January 10th without restrictions. And we certainly hope that, you know, our folks will go back to the office. We don't expect everybody to go back five days a week. I think people sometimes tend to forget that pre-pandemic, we already had a pretty hybrid work environment at Zurich. Um, We were always a company that was very flexible with how people were working. Um, And, you know, people tend to forget that already pre-pandemic, they were working a couple of days a week um, from home or a day a week. So I think for Zurich, my personal opinion is that things really are not going to change that much to where they were pre-pandemic, right? Um, maybe a little bit more flexibility, maybe a little bit more customization for some individuals here or there, or for, for some um, roles, some functions, right? I think we're all going to have to sort of learn as we go along. But your question about brokers and customers, and you and I have met a lot of brokers in the last three to four months, yep, yeah. over, overwhelmingly, the brokers are back in the office. 
And I would say the, the small, medium-sized brokers really have never left the office, right? And I had lunch with the president of a broker last week in Toronto, 200 employees, everybody's back in the office, right? So our, our key trading partners are back in the office, plus or minus, right? A couple here or there. And their expectation and my expectation is that they're going to resume trading normally, quote unquote, normally with us, right? Now, again, there's going to be a bit of caveat here or there. Some people can go back to the office because of some you know, medical conditions and, and things like this. But I think I'm personally hoping that we're going to be able to resume a life as normal as possible. We've always said since I've been in this business a long time ago that this is a people business. And I'm sorry, but the people business is people meeting each other, not just on right. Zoom or Teams or whatever. You, you need right? people to, to meet people to be a yeah, exactly ex, ex, exactly exactly right. Now on the talent question, as you know, we've hired over 100 people in the last 18 months. A lot of a lot of them. That's their first uh, work experience, and and for a lot of them, it's their first time working at an insurance company, right? And for all of them, it's their first time working at Zurich. It's very difficult to build a company culture, which we like to refer to quite a bit, if people aren't in the office, right? Again, I don't know how you build a company culture, and maybe that's because I'm not smart enough, right? If everybody's on Zoom or Teams, right? Or WebEx or whatever, right? You need people in the office. You need to train your new talent. You need to manage your resources, and your people are your resources, and and the better trained they are, the more effective, productive they are. And there's only so much, then, again, that you can do virtually. That doesn't mean that, again, I want to emphasize this so that people don't misconstrue uh, what I'm saying, that everybody needs to be back in the office five days a week. That is not what I'm saying. But for new talent, new hires, people who have never been at Zurich and are in a role of market-facing, and who really want to understand our culture, being in the office once in a while is going to be very helpful. Now, um, I, I wanted to, to follow up with 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 one of your comments, particularly about about culture. I mean, at at, at Zurich, we we pride ourselves being a, a a customer led organization. Now, my question to you is is what does this mean? Like, what does a customer led organization mean? Uh, and, and and perhaps this can be addressed to to to, to better define it for uh, our broker partners who are listening now, or even some of our uh, uh, new colleagues, as you mentioned, that that that's never really been in the office yet, uh, to to give them a sense of what we what we mean by being a customer led organization. Oh my God, um, it is such a easy question yet so tricky. So I think if you're a broker, being customer-led is that's how you wake up in the morning and that's how you go to bed at night, right? You are obsessed with your client. And, and if you don't do a good job for one client, you're going to lose that client, right? So your hands on deck 24-7 and you're obsessed with your clients, right? That's, that's the nature of the business as a broker. And I did that for a long time. For an insurance company, it's not necessarily different, but insurance companies manage portfolios, not individual customer, right? And so it's that tension between doing everything we can to retain customers, 
and gain new customers, but always in the context of managing a portfolio, which has to be a profitable portfolio, right? But as you know, we measure at Zurich, we measure the quality of service that we provide customers and brokers, and we survey brokers and customers. And so we have a lot of data and data points that show us how we're doing. And sometimes we do well, sometimes we don't do so well, right? But the customer-led organization is an organization that is measuring how well it's doing with its customers at an individual level and at a portfolio level. And it's trying to hit all the marks all the time. And it's very, very complicated, very, very difficult. But it's also a culture, right? It's also a culture of having individuals in your organization who think along these same lines, right? And that's not always easy either, right? I mean, I think yeah. that people would be lying if they said it was easy, right? Because, because there are different stakeholders, right? Because there's different lenses through which you can look at your business as an insurance company, which brokers really don't have that quote unquote luxury, right? Yeah. So, so my pers- very personal view on this is you have to treat customer like if they were your only customer. And yet you have to remember as an insurance company that the sum of all these customers create a portfolio and that portfolio has to be a profitable one. And that's not easy to do because if it was easy, well, then, you know, we would be a trillion dollar company and we're not, nobody is. It's, it's not a, I don't think it's a coincidence that there's no Apple or Google in the insurance industry, right? And it's like the, the market valuation for insurance companies is not the technology company, right? It's, it's a difficult business. No, um, I, I certainly, I certainly agree with you. I think that's, um, I mean, it's not, it's not an easy definition. I think it's, it's, it, it really needs to, run through the veins of an organization and it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's not, it's not easy to do. Mm. Um, now I, um, I, I, I wanted to, to ask you one final question. And I think that's, it's, it's, I feel like I'm, I would be doing you a disservice if I didn't <laughs> ask you this question, which is, I know is your favorite question. I, I, I've listened to these podcasts before. Uh, and, and, and I think that's you you, you've asked enough of these that I hope you know that it's coming because this <laughs> was not rehearsed. Uh, what do you, when you're not thinking or dreaming about insurance, which I know you do, by the way, um, what, what do you do for fun? So I, as you know, I started playing the guitar Christmas last year. So I learning how to play the guitar. I've been at this for 11 months and I'm having a ton of fun playing the guitar. What's your go-to jam? What's your go-to jam? I have zero talent. (laughs) I have zero talent. So it's a lot of YouTube video time. I spent hours watching YouTube videos and learning how to play the guitar. My go-to guy is Chris Stapleton. I I try to learn a few tunes from Chris Stapleton. Recently, I was learning, um, teaching myself a Cat Stevens, um, Wild Bird uh, tune. Some Neil Young, obviously, being in Canada, right? That's important. And that's, that's how I spend my time. And when I'm not doing this, I try to stay in shape and work out early in the morning and get this out of the way before the... Look, look, look man, I'll, I'll say this. I, I've tried to work on Stairway to Heaven for 25 years. I'm <laughs> <doing> all right. <laughs> You're doing all right. Yeah. Look, um, 
Look, Alvin, I, I, I appreciate you uh, uh, switching chairs uh, uh, and, and allowing me to, to interview you and, 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 and spend some time with, uh, uh, with our listeners on, on, this, on this podcast. Um, uh, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, appreciate your time. Uh, and it's, it's been fun. Thank you. Thank you, David. You've done a great job. Thanks so much. Take care. Well, I'd like to thank Alban for that insightful conversation. It was enjoyable. I, I had a good time uh, being the host. We talked about how the Canadian insurance industry will look like in, in 2022, um, how insurer profitability will translate into the customer experience. Um, we talked a little bit about inflation and, 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 and how the interest rate environment will affect insurance companies. And of course, we also talked about attracting and retaining talent uh, in what we will undoubtedly see as a hybrid work environment in 2022. And near and dear to our heart is, is what it means to be a customer-led organization. As always, you can find the podcast on the Zurich Canada website. You can also email us at ca.podcast at zurich.com for ideas, comments, or feedback. As always, we appreciate the feedback and look forward to putting together more meaningful content for you all. Thank you and happy holidays. audio recording was compiled from sources believed to be reliable for general information purposes and is intended for Zurich clients and business partners. The information contained herein may be useful to you or your enterprise when developing your own policies and procedures. The policies and procedures applicable to your enterprise should take into account the specific circumstances of your business and business environment, which is beyond the capacity of this podcast. Any and all information provided is not intended to constitute advice of any nature and is specifically not legal advice, and accordingly, you should consult with your own legal counsel. We do not guarantee the accuracy of this information presented or any results and further assume no liability in connection with this recording and the information provided therein. Moreover, Zurich reminds you that the information provided cannot be assumed to contain every acceptable safety and compliance procedure or that additional procedures might not be appropriate under the circumstances. The subject matter of this recording is not tied to any specific insurance product, nor will adopting these policies and procedures ensure coverage under any insurance policy. We encourage listeners to seek additional information from credible sources. Thank you. This has been a production of TNKR Media. Good talk.